coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Can the Switch finally make Game Boy games portable? It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including a leak that maybe reveals a possible Game Boy emulator on the Switch. And then on Thursday, we're exploring RPGs that have not yet made it to Nintendo's latest console. But in the meantime, Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I love when our news topics have like 20 qualifiers in front yes, of them. Yes, yes, Because we don't know, but maybe, could be, who knows. Here's the thing. We do not report on rumors, <laughs> but we will qualify the heck out of something that we are reporting. That's reporting, right. Reporting. What, are, what, what is this? <laughs> what a scoop. Um, we should do. We should. Uh, we should attend more press conferences wearing the little hat with Absolutely. the card in it that says "press." Uh-huh. We should run back to the payphone so we can call the story in. I think we need to. Uh, we need to. We need to change up some things here, Mark. I think you know, we, if we want to be the change that we want to see in sure. the world, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> I think we need to start by getting phone booths back in places. Yeah. Because we're not going to be able to attend press conferences with a little card in our hat. Right. And we, then run right. to the phone booth to report, to like call in the story Here's if the there's thing. no phone booth. I don't even just want a phone booth. I want a whole bank of phones, right, that are like against the wall and they're all just like separated by like a little thing. Because you needed to have this many phones uh-huh. that you couldn't afford someone the privacy of a closed door. Which now that, I, now that I'm thinking about it, like what a luxury. You're yeah. just like walking around on the street and you're do like... You, do- <laughs> Need to make a phone call and you just go into a booth and close a door? <laughs> it's glass so people can see you. But, but like. do you think that we should, and birds as well, if they're trying to attack you. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you think that we should implement, like, I know that we don't need pay phones anymore, but I right. feel like we could still use the booths. This is exactly what I'm saying, oh, yeah. is we should have phone booths. Here's the real thing. They should have bathrooms in them, too. There should really be public bathrooms. The other day, the other day, I was waiting for uh, Sarah. Recently, had a medical procedure done, and I was waiting for it to uh, uh, happen so I could uh, drive her home. Uh, and the area that I was waiting in, there was no restroom. Interesting. So I like walked outside and was like, "Okay, I I can I can like go to a restaurant or something." But I was like, "I'm gonna have to spend money to use a bathroom, and that's ridiculous." I feel like I want to live in a world where there are both phone booths and readily available bathrooms. And they're but they're not the same and thing. They don't need to be the same thing. Speaking of things that don't need to be either a phone booth or a bathroom, my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. Would you like to borrow it? You can. All you gotta do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com and give us a mailing address. We can send you my copy of this game. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. I pay for postage both ways. It doesn't cost you a thing. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. I don't consider that a cost. Um, I think it's just a, a, a different benefit. Not a better one, just a different benefit of the Sonic Forces borrowing program. Not to put you on the spot, but is 
is the copy of Sonic Forces. They are both currently in my possession. Okay. Uh, so they are both ready to head out. I, I need to uh, email the next people on the list to make sure they still want it. It has been some time. The list is long and uh, the process is slow. <laughs> well, I, I the only reason I ask is I, I feel like we should get, like, for a Nintendo Cartridge Society headquarters, we should get one of those, like, scratch-off maps where oh, we can sure. be charting everywhere that uh, Sonic Forces or Untitled Goose, Untitled Goose Game has been traveling. Um, I said, oh, sure, but what do you mean when you say scratch-off maps? Oh, you know, like one of the... Uh, like a, fun, like a lottery fun. ticket? You get them, <laughs> yeah, kind of. You, like, get them on Amazon. It's like, where have you traveled? Uh-huh. You know, and so you, like, put them on the wall, and you're like, well, I've traveled to New Mexico. And you just... I've traveled... And then I you see, just, like, I scratch see, it off, you know. Yeah, like a, like a lottery ticket. But we could also just get, like, a map and... And then just like cross out the places that it's been. We a hundred percent we could do that. It that's not like it's not as my, fun as what you're saying. That's not what my vision was. <laughs> right. Look, I've been trying to get my husband to go for one of these, and he's also not super enthusiastic. I'm on his side, <laughs> as always. I'm on his side. <laughs> Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you get your podcasts. We, as always, appreciate it so much. It helps people find the show. Patrick and I love reading your reviews. If you leave us a review in the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, we can see it. We can see it! So we will give you a shout-out on the show. But if you leave us a review anywhere else, we still want to give you that shout-out. So hit us up on Twitter, send us an email, let us know so we can give you a shout-out. And thank you so much to everybody who has left us reviews. You can send us an email just like Noah did. Noah writes, hi, Mark and Patrick. I love the podcast I wanted to ask. I'm considering getting Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, but is it worth the money? And if so, which character is best? Thanks. Also, I left a five-star review on Spotify. Noah, first of all, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Shout out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, is it worth the money? Are we talking like the $60 for the base game? Are we talking 60 bucks plus another 55 50- five for the um for all the characters uh i mean oh boy thinking about it like that and not like sixty dollars now twenty five dollars uh later and then thirty dollars another like two years which from you now, s- could you could do. still do you yeah. could still do and you could still just buy the base game and then whatever of the dlc characters you want they're six bucks each um if you buy them that way that is a totally viable um solution to six or seven dollars something like that um it's got to be six. Um, Mark, is it worth the money? Um, well, I say no. Well, first of all, base game, yes. Base game, yes. I bought the first. Ton, ton of content in the base a, game. It's a great game, you know, kind of aptly named the Ultimate Super Smash Brothers. I think it's wonderful. I had a blast with it. I have the first. I bought, like, the first um, fighter pass or mm-hmm. whatever it was called. And um, I haven't played all the fighters. You know, like, new ones would come out, and I just got so far behind. And then the second character pass came out, or fighter pass came out, and I didn't buy that one. When they finally, when they announced Sora, when it was, like, the last one, I was like, maybe I should get the second fighter pass just so I have all of the characters for this yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I haven't I haven't done that. It has not, I have not been compelled, you know. It has not been worth the money to me. So I say no. I say choose your, you know handful of favorite fighters that you're interested in getting from the dlc and buy those separately instead of paying you know the extra 55 bucks but what about you patrick i say absolutely do it it's worth the money <laughs> no well i mean here's here's the here's i think a little bit of the problem is that 
I think both you and I played a lot of Super Smash Brothers when it came out and then sort of fell off like as as time went on and even the introduction of a single new character um, isn't really enough to like revitalize uh, you know your, your enjoyment of, of the game I do think it's fun when you get like a whole pack of characters at once um, but like one at a time sort of dribbling them out that way is not really reason enough to get back into it what I would say is since the online for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is not great um, if you have people in your world in your life to play Super Smash Brothers with that want to do it then it's absolutely worth the money keep spending money on it you'll have fun with it and you can have as many different matchups as you can imagine. Um, but if you are, uh, you know, uh, li living on your own or in any sort of situation where you're not going to be, where you're not going to have people to play with uh, in your immediate vicinity all the time, um, you know, maybe think it over, wait for a sale or just buy the base game or something. Um, I just keep thinking about like, if I were in college when this game came out, we'd be playing it all the time. Like just all the time. Yeah, for sure. I, I guess I just feel like the base game has, like, a kajillion characters yeah, it by does. itself. But, um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, what do you not, would you want to not control Sora? You want to miss out on con controlling Kazuya? Yeah. I mean, yes, I have, I... Clearly, because I don't have the second fighter pass. Um, all right. Well, thank you uh, again, Noah. Um, uh, all right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Mark, I want to pick up what I was talking about with uh, Chrono Cross Radical Dreamers Edition last week because there are a couple things that I um, was thinking about but didn't really hadn't really articulated to myself yet. Um, and so just three points about Chrono Cross, the Radical Dreamers Edition. Um, first point being uh, there are performance issues in the game. Um, it does not run at a consistent frame rate, uh, which is weird and a little confusing. It's a PlayStation game, um, original PlayStation that's running on the Switch. You would think uh, it'd be able to run it just fine, but like there are like odd, almost like crashes in performance where it drops to like five or six frames per second. Weird, like that we're not there in the existing game. Great question. I don't remember. In in my memory of the original game, it ran fine. I mean, still weird. Still weird. But... Right. Yeah. Like you can't fix that. <laughs> um. So it's. I, I just find it. I find it a little bit troubling. Uh. That it's. It, it's not. Uh. Running as. Uh. Smoothly as the game did in my memory. Um. I still love it. I'm still having a, a great time with it. Um, but uh, one of the things that I spent a little more time with since last we spoke um, is the Radical Dreamers, which is a sort of game that's packed in with Chrono Cross. Um, and I had always understood the Radical Dreamers as sort of a bridge between um, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, um, but it's not. Uh, so it, I, I just want to like go into a little bit of like what Radical Dreamers is. It's a text-based adventure that is set in the world of Chrono Trigger and features the main characters from Chrono Cross. Came out before Chrono Cross, was released on the Satellaview uh, with the Super Famicom only in Japan um, and was never released out, outside, outside of Japan. Um, and so while it's using the main characters from Chrono Cross, it's obviously just like a rough draft version of the characters. Uh, you're playing as uh, of, as uh, you're playing as Surge and um, 
kid and you're fighting links so like it's all this the same sort of like trifecta of characters there um but their relationships are a little bit different their backgrounds are a little bit different so it's not it's not really a prequel to chrono cross it's like a rough draft of what chrono cross would become and it's just it's so interesting to play it and see the sort of like dna of chrono trigger or sorry chrono cross playing out in like a more primitive format that is really interesting. So, do you? And there's no reason you should know this offhand, but do you know like the time difference between like uh, Radical Dreamers and when Chrono Cross was actually made? It, it just kind of it kind of makes me think of you know um, Star Wars Clone Wars, the animated series. Yes. How it uh, was it season eight that it, it like before it came back on Disney Plus, it got its original run was canceled yes. before this, like the final season or so was able to be created, but they still like released some like rough drafts of scripts and storylines saying like, this is where things would have gone. Right, right. And then when the final seasons came out, we a got lot of those some of stories that. Yeah. played out. Yeah. But some of it was different. It didn't happen exactly because with the benefit of time or different story elements, like things had to change. Yeah. Radical Dreamers came out in 96. Chrono Cross came out in 99. Um, so like there's some real time there and obviously a switch from a switch in formats, right? Um, from uh, the Super Famicom to the PlayStation. And mind you, the Super Famicom Satellaview. So like, you know, who knows? Some <laughs> weird broadcast technology happening there. Um, but uh, yeah, so like there, there, and uh, the schism between um, Square and Nintendo also sort of like happens um, in, in that span too. Um, so yeah, it, it seems like they had all these ideas and they were like, well, we can't, we're going to take another crack at them, but it's just going to be in a, a different format. But it's like, obviously a lot of the designs carry over kit, uh, kid and surge and links all look the same. Um, and the characters have the same names and kind of the same personalities, not really surge, but, um, you know, none of the, uh, you know, what I talked about last week of the, the game being about, uh, this being a universe where like you died 10 years ago, none of that's in there. There's no like split realities or anything like that. Um, but one of the things that I find most fascinating is there's a piece there. There are a couple pieces of music that carry over from one to the other. Um, and uh, one of those pieces of music is uh, uh, called it's either called uh, the girl who stole the stars or star stealing girl, depending on the translation. Um, and uh, in Chrono Cross, it it's one of my favorite pieces of music just ever. It sounds like this. very pretty it's very chill um and like you can hear the instrumentation here like it's uh, like clear piano and this like flute thing um uh and then that sort of fake string sound right there it comes in with this uh fake vocal sound that the the quality of which is just magical to me um that it doesn't sound real it just sounds otherworldly um i think it comes right seconds (laughs) 
and so that's like the the like sad main theme of uh, of the characters this piece of music is in radical dreamers there's a 16-bit version of this and it sounds like this isn't it interesting to like hear where it came from yeah it's interesting that that carries over yeah also, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead like 40 seconds to see if we can get to that, uh, like, vocal sound. You hear how it's, uh, like, it's, uh, whatever sample they were able to use in the PlayStation version is so much more evocative and weird. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's awesome that uh, Star Stealing Girl is, like, a foundational part of uh that game uh or part of its like identity even as radical dreamers and then becomes this awesome piece of music in chrono cross that's so cool well sorry one question i have about radical dreamers yeah is um so it chrono cross not really connected to chrono trigger right is is radical dreamers like more connected to chrono trigger or is it just as like disconnected I mean, it is very obviously in the world of, um, so like there are references to the other characters and the, like the world of Chrono Trigger, um, but those references do not carry over to the adaptation of Radical Dreamers to Chrono Cross. Oh, got it. Um, so like, I think you could say Chrono, no, uh, Radical Dreamers is a sequel to chrono trigger even though it's just a you know a weird little text adventure and you know what does sequel even mean in a a series about time travel right right um it is both sequel and prequel by necessity <laughs> um and then uh yeah and then that chrono cross is like an adaptation of some of the concepts from radical dreamers it's just a bizarre thing and like the kind of thing that we don't often have all the pieces for um, like, I think this is a lot of stuff that would normally be like behind the scenes and then someone would develop something into this and blah, blah, blah. Um, and for people outside of Japan, that is what this was. Um, but now we have all the pieces. So. That's so cool. Yeah. It, it um, makes me think like, oh, like if we got a glimpse of the Nintendo DS version of like Metroid Dread or something like that. Yes. And how like, you know, we know that they've been toying with those concepts, but just like probably how different yeah. it is now you know, 15 years later or whatever, yeah. you know, if you had a shot at it again. I mean, it's all, it's all like, you know, I think about like Live Alive is coming out for the first time outside of Japan and we're getting it in the HD 2D style and like how we got Famicom Detective Club at the, uh, you know, beginning of this year, last year? Last that? year, I think. Last year, wow. Um, the like all of these, that there are still mysteries in the video game world. Like the history is not that long, but like there are still deep, dark weird pockets that we haven't explored well here's another one so i this week watched um super mario brothers the great mission to rescue princess peach now you gotta you gotta tell me about this so i i i was not aware of it until this week when a restoration of this was released on youtube so it's an anime film that was only ever released in japan and i don't think has ever been released on dvd or anything and so um, there was like a private collector who had a 16 millimeter print of the film and they worked with this YouTube channel called Femboy Films and to release this like 4K restoration wow. with new subtitles like 
um, restored soundtrack, restored color, like everything. So it's an anime that was released in Japan in 1986. So just like one year, a few months yeah. after Super Mario Brothers was originally released. And so there's no like canon really that they're adhering to. So it's its own kind of like really unique thing in time. The other thing that's really interesting about it is it samples like sounds and music from Super Mario Brothers, but which I don't know, just felt like kind of like interesting and weird to see it in this didn't, context. Didn't the Super Mario Brothers Super Show also use like sound effects from from the games? I don't remember. It, it might have. Yeah. But uh, I guess this would have predated that. Oh, yeah, by a lot. Yeah. Um, and so the, the plot is like a lot of the pieces that we think of as like Mario and Luigi and their personalities and what they do are like not established yet. So Mario and Luigi, they work in a grocery store. And, <laughs> you know, like uh, the movie opens with Mario playing a video game and then like Princess Peach jumps out of the TV and is trying to escape. Like She's the from the video game She's world? She's from the video game Whoa. world. But which is, like, it's a reverse Tron. <laughs> it's a reverse Tron, yes. Classic trope, reverse Tron. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's, and oh, I guess Princess Toadstool, she like jumps out of the TV and followed by, you know, like all these, the enemies from the game, like uh, Goombas and Koopa Troopas yeah. and Bullet Bills. And, um, and then Bowser comes out king koopa and is like you know um mario tries to fend he's mario's immediately smitten by princess toadstool of course and so uh he's trying to fend off bowser but he can't and so bowser kidnaps um the princess but she leaves behind like uh this necklace and so the next day at the grocery store when they're supposed to be working like mario's like looking at the necklace thinking about princess remembering princess peach and uh luigi's like hey that's like this like necklace that is like worth a lot of money or something and so and then there's they don't little... have to work at the grocery store anymore <laughs> so there's this little like dog that uh yeah dog? There's, there's a dog that comes into the store and steals the necklace and so they're chasing after him and he, the dog jumps into a pipe the the brothers follow this dog down sure. the pipe, and this is in the real world. This is in the real world. Okay, I got but it. By going down the pipe, they end up in the mushroom kingdom. Right. And there's this like hermit that t tells them the story and is like, "Hey, you know, like Bowser is going to marry Princess Toadstool. The whole you know mushroom kingdom is kind of under this curse. But and so Mario, we need you to go and save uh the princess. Also, like the people are coins or something like that." Basically, Mario and Luigi are motivated by two things. Mario's motivated by uh, really being into Princess Toadstool right. and money. And Luigi's really motivated by money. And so they're like Weird. coins. And so the, but the, um, the hermit tells them that in order to defeat, you're too weak. In order to defeat Bowser, you're going to have to collect three like magical items, which are the mushroom, right. the, the, the star, right. and like the fire flower. Right. It's wild. It's like 60 minutes long. It's not good. Right. But it's a really I, interesting... I thought you were about to say, it's not bad. <laughs> but it's a really... it's It was a really fascinating relic of its time. And it's one of those things like Radical Dreamer where it's like, oh, this is so cool it exists. It's cool that people, you know, like got together and restored it. Yeah. And kind of made it like the best version of it that's ever existed. So I, I think it's worth checking out. Again, it's just 60 minutes long. So you can do way worse. 
with yeah. your time. You could have to watch like the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which is like 60 episodes, right? <laughs> um, Mark, what else have you been playing this week? I've also, of course, been chugging along with um, Dragon Quest XI X, Echoes of an Elusive Age, Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Chugging along is probably the right way to put it because I feel like going um, out of like the big climax of uh, Chapter 1, and I liked the interlude, but I'm really feeling like I have to like build momentum back up, right, to into start this putting the party chapter. back together. Yeah, and um, that part has been a little like less fun. So, uh, the highs of this game are like so high that I think it'll be worth it. Yeah, and so I want to keep pushing forward, but I do feel like I'm in a little bit of a um, just have to like eat my vegetables to get to that. Yeah, I, th- I think you you probably that that. Yes, I think that's probably about where where you are. Well, I look forward to hearing more uh, as 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 you get deeper. Um, but Mark, this last weekend, I thought to myself, you know what? You and I have been talking about Rusty's Real Deal Baseball for too long for me to not really have ever played the game. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked up Rusty's Real Deal Baseball, yes. which you can do for free. Of course, it is a free game on the uh, Nintendo 3DS. Um, but you have to buy all of the individual games that come on the game. Uh, but the, what you can do for free is you can talk to Rusty. Um, you can haggle with Rusty. All of the, I mean, you have to buy the games to progress the story. But, like, you can engage with this uh, charming dog character uh, for free. You can talk to Rusty for free. I feel so bad for our listeners in Europe who don't have this luxury. I mean, so so do I. Honestly, I have having now played Rusty's Real Deal Baseball, having dropped sixteen dollars on all the mini games, because uh, you can you can haggle him down from forty to sixteen. I mean, you can't do it. It's not all in like one transaction, but like they'll let you get this game for a third of the cost, right? Um, it's great. Rusty's Real Deal Baseball is a a great game. It's really, really fun. I'm so sorry if you don't have access to it. Um, and uh, just kind of a uh, warning, if uh, you've ever been interested in it, like you, you're going to lose the ability to add uh, money to your account directly at any rate um, w- with credit cards uh, soon. So within a matter of weeks at this point, right? Yeah, it's May sometime. But you know, even after that, you can still add money through um, uh, uh, gift cards or um, by adding money to your Nintendo Switch um, with a credit card, and then you can, if it's linked with the 3DS, then you can do it that way. Um, but again, uh, for only sixteen dollars, you can have an, enough money set aside to uh, unlock all of all of the games. Um, and it just made me like the the way that it, it bundles these mini games together. Um, it just made me wish there was something like this on Switch where like you could just check in. There was a little bit of like a pretend social element of it. Um, and like you were making progress as you were playing mini games. I don't know. The, the, the whole thing was just utterly delightful. I find myself laughing a lot, um, either while haggling with Rusty or while um, playing the mini games themselves. Like it can just be really fun to uh, be doing one of these like batting mini games. And, you know, you have to hit like 30 in a row and you're up to like 28 and you're like, oh, my God, you know, like, what do I do? Uh, And all you can do is just like try to hit it the way you've hit the last 28. Um, And it's just like funny when you fail and it's funny when you succeed. And I don't know. I really had a great time with it. It's also really funny to me that someone can experience this game and pay $40 for all of the content. Yes. Somebody else can experience the game and pay like 16 for all of the content. And that's real money. 
real dollars, real currency that you're spending. Um, yeah, which is just super fun and funny. And the the game though, if as long as you say that you're like haggling, it kind of won't let you fail. Because mm-hmm. um, one of one of his uh, ten children joins you at the beginning of the game, um, and is like, mm, it seems like if you wanted to haggle more with dad, he he will probably come down in price. Um, if there's any more room and when you hit his lowest price, the dog will come out and say like, that sounds like dad's lowest price. You should probably take that. Um, so like, as long as you're willing to say like haggle some more, um, <laughs> or if you mess up the haggling, if you give him a donut, you can like start the haggling again. Um, and it's all just about like, uh, praising him and like making him feel good about his, uh, miserable, lonely life. <laughs> Which also isn't that miserable and lonely. A lot of it's misunderstandings. <laughs> like he's he's a less his sadness is more internal than it is external. Mm-hmm. Um, but also his store does burn down at one point. So <laughs> major spoilers. Major spoilers. Rusty's real deal baseball. I kind of miss like that uh, era when Nintendo was dipping their toes into microtransactions because nowadays they're they're just like. Give us, you know, 25 bucks and you'll get all these, right. you know, yeah. like Mario Kart track DLC. Right. Before they're like, what if we, what is the most Nintendo approach right. to DLC? You have to talk to a pink rabbit about it for five <laughs> minutes before you can uh, buy tokens to play a crane game. Yeah. Which again, uh, I want a Nintendo Badge Arcade too. Like I want both of these games on, on Switch. I think it'd be super fun. All right, Mark, uh, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. On Wednesday, April 20th, Star Wars The Force Unleashed is released on the Nintendo Switch. Remember, remember, this is the the Nintendo Wii version. Right. Weird. The weirdest possible version of the game that they could have ported over to modern consoles. Yeah. Our other console, like our other platforms getting, you know, I, the I PlayStation know. 3, Xbox 360 version. I, why, why would you not release them both as a bundle, like together? <laughs> like why? The, 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 this doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any, it doesn't sense, make any, to any sense to me either. It doesn't make any sense to me. I liked the Forced Unleashed. I've never played the Nintendo Wii version. Right. I like the Forced Unleashed. Are you going to pick this up? No. Uh, how about you? No. And then on Thursday, April 21st, a new game is released for the Nintendo 3DS called what? What? Fragrance Story. What is happening here? So it's a um, kind of like an, it's an indie tactical RPG that you can kind of tell from the name is heavily inspired by Vagrant Story. And um, it as part of its team, it includes two composers from who have worked on classic RPGs. So Hitoshi Sakamoto, um, you know, worked on Ogre Battle, Tactics Ogre, Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy Twelve. He contributes music to the game. It looks cute. Um, yeah, it looks kind of uh, tactics-y, but then also, like, is there almost like an Earthbound quality to it, too? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it seems just kind of like a love letter to, you know, these 16-bit RPGs. You know, if they're releasing it on the 3DS to get people talking about it, mission accomplished. Because otherwise, because we we've done it. I don't. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't think I would have looked. But I was like, on oh, the 3DS, is this possibly right? And it is exclusively to 3DS. Yeah, available in 2022 exclusively on the Nintendo 3DS. You can pick up a limited physical copy at Squire Games Store while supplies last. I'm I'm 
Mark, I'm sorry. I'm clicking through like real <laughs> links in real time. Uh, you can get this game for $35. The physical copy comes with a soundtrack. Huh. This is interesting. I am interested. Mark, I'm, you've piqued my interest. Well, there we go. Um, there we go. All right. Uh, let's close out the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers did not play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark... Today, a new trailer for the uh, Thor movie, Thor Love and Thunder, was released. Um, this is the closest to the release of a Marvel movie that we have been before a trailer has dropped ever um, in the history of Marvel movies. Uh, so, you know, some anticipation built up here. Uh, first, uh, what did you think of this Thor trailer? I thought it seemed fun. I think it seems fun, uh, too. Uh, do you, uh, where are you with Thor in general? This is, we're talking, we're just talking about Thor. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all that this 433 is. So I, um, I, I like Thor. I have liked, I liked, um, the, I liked the first Thor movie. I don't know. Is that, is that weird? Do people not, I, I haven't seen it for a long time, but I remember enjoying it. No, I think, I think the, the first Thor is one of those, like, uh, it has its detractors. It has its fans, but there's no critical consensus on it. Uh-huh, not like the second not one. Not like the second one and not like the third one, right? Like the, the second one is like universally panned. The third one is universally praised. Uh-huh. And I think that's all. I think that's right. I everyone think, yes, everyone is right. perfectly calibrated yeah, on I, that. I yeah. like the third one a lot. So I'm excited for this one as well. I'm excited for Natalie Portman to be back. Me too. I like Natalie Portman. I feel like she sort of got the shaft from like two of my favorite series from Marvel and Star Wars. Uh-huh. So like, yeah, like. Let her let her have it. Let her take it. Uh, give the lady the hammer. You know, um, I saw someone tweeting today um, uh, an old like interview with Natalie Portman where she's talking about Star Wars and being like, it's kind of a bummer to be in a movie where everyone has a lightsaber but me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would totally feel that <laughs> for sure. Um, do you read or have you read a lot of like Thor comics? Yeah. So, um, you know, there was a, a comic book site that you and I uh, both used to write for called retcon punch. Um, and, uh, I started writing there around the time that the Thor God of Thunder series started, um, which is, uh, 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 Ribic, uh, Asad Ribic and, uh, Jason Aaron is, is the writer on it. Um, and it's the one that where there's like three eras of Thor. There's like old man Thor, like Thor is all father, um, modern day Thor and like young Thor um, and like how their adventures um, like sort of inform each other. Uh, and that dovetails with the God Butcher um, story arc, which is the going to be the villain in the new movie. So the God Butcher Gore, the God Butcher uh, travels the cosmos murdering gods, uh, which is awesome. And I can't wait to see that in this movie. Oh, that's cool. I did not. I did not realize that. I I think when the first movie came out, I went back and read or not went back. I like read whatever was available at the time. And I think the one that was at my I don't even remember what the arc was, but it was written by like J. Michael Straczynski. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, (laughs) years later, 
like as I was rewatching Murder She Wrote, I saw his name come up as like an executive producer and a writer. He's on it for like two on seasons. Murder She Wrote. Yeah, and I was like, hey, huh. it's the it's the Thor guy because that's where I knew him from. I know he also created Babylon Five, right? Which I've yeah, never yeah, seen. Yeah, yes. But um, yeah. So yeah, the- he's he's done a ton of TV writing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Jason Aaron Thor run, which goes all the way through, um, you know, the, uh, the mighty Thor, like the Jane Foster as, as Thor. Um, and, uh, yeah, all, all of that is just like super fun. And, um, especially with, with Jane Foster, uh, oh man, the, the artist name is, uh, slipping out of my brain right now, but he, Russell Dodderman is his name. Um, uh, just draws like the brightest, friendliest, uh, most like trippy uh, Thor you can imagine, um, and all, that story arc is uh, incredible. And we, it excites me to no end that it seems like this movie is drawing from those two periods of Thor. Both, um, I'm just very excited about it. Yeah, I think it'll be really cool. Um, did I tell you uh, about uh, how I what happened when I saw Thor Ragnarok? No, well, I guess we'll never oh, know. Never know. We'll never know. Um, but I saw Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson and uh, Taika Waititi and Kevin Feige. Um, they all came out and like introduced Whoa! the movie. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> um, totally unexpected, just at the Vista Theater uh, to be continued. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. So yesterday, some files related to seemingly official Game Boy slash Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance emulators for the Switch were posted to Internet Dumping Ground 4chan. So 4chan is what it is. Yep. Uh, Occasionally when things get dumped there, they're real. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, a a Q drop. So like, who knows? (laughs) So users were able to take these files and get them running on their Switches. And they're... And these are like seem to be like early emulators, but they're working for the Game Boy and for the Game Boy Advance. Yes. Um, as of the recording, as of this recording, the consensus seems to be that these like files or emulators like weren't found in a hack okay. or anything like that. They came from quote a console. So th- it's. These emulators don't exist in the firmware of consumer switches. So the speculation currently is that the files came from like a dev kit or something like that, but were obviously illicitly gained. Right. So someone stole something is what we're saying. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, From the emulator, people have pulled out like a list of games that have been tested. Like most, uh, with the most success on the Game Boy Advance emulator, there's like a long list of ones that have been tested, but also some that are Game Boy and Game Boy Color games. You'll remember last year, just literally days before Nintendo revealed Nintendo 64 for Nintendo Switch Online, there were reports that Game Boy and Game Boy Color would be added to Nintendo Switch Online. But after the N64 announcement, we haven't heard anything until now, seemingly. Right. And if you'll recall, at the time, you and I perfectly predicted the Game Boy library. Uh, we came up with a perfect list. Can I remember what's on there now? No. <laughs> um, but I, I do think uh, I, I, one of the things that I saw in like this list of games, um, there was mention of uh, like Pokemon Pinball, um, the Ruby and Sapphire version. 
And uh, it got me wondering slash thinking, are the Pokemon games going to make when when eventually, eventually um, some of these libraries make it to Switch? Will Pokemon games make it? Yeah, I don't know. It- and like, do you need to make it so you can like trade and like play with other Switches? Like, I mean, that part, maybe not so crazy because all of the games that go up on Nintendo Switch Online have some sort of online capability. That is true. Right? That is true. Yeah. Um, and so... But Pokemon Home, for sure, right? Yeah, great question. Or however they're going to do that transferring of characters or of monsters. Yeah, like, I don't I don't know. I think it's interesting that Game Boy Advance games are... That there's an emulator for Game Boy Advance because the initial rumor was just Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Right, right. Which, for me, I'm way more excited about the idea of a Game Boy Advance. Yes, totally. Be, being on Nintendo Switch Online than Game Boy. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's, uh, there's a... With rare exception, there's a huge like boost in quality from Game Boy to Game Boy Advance, right? Um, just in terms of like color and memory and sound, um, it can just do so much more. It's more powerful than a Super NES, right? So like they were making, and also was like after the Super NES's like day. So when we were sort of like, yeah, 3D games are great. And it's like, but what happened to all the genres that we loved? Uh, oh, they're still being made for Game Boy Advance. Um, so like, yeah, there's, there's such a treasure trove of games there that like really haven't been re-released um, anywhere else. I, I saw other screen grabs that were like, that all seem to be, uh, from like the Super Mario Advance uh, collection or series of games. So like the the one that includes Yoshi's Island, the one that includes Super Mario Brothers 3, which is all cool, but it's like what what about what about like the games that you can't play anywhere else? Like I can I can already play those games on my Switch. Right. You can't so, play those versions. I can't play those versions. And they are like very unique versions. They have like voice samples. I mean, granted the characters don't shut up. But it does have voice samples. Right. It's maybe not the best version of, of the game to play. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, there, there are just. It's interesting that those would be the games that they would highlight as like, well, you could play these games. And it's like, well, all right. Well, you know, what about like Advance Wars? Which, again, I guess we will be able to play at some point. <laughs> well, I mean, and also we probably shouldn't jump to too many conclusions. Yes. Based off of what we are seeing today. Anything could change. In fact, these could never release. Yes. As much as it hurts my heart to say that, maybe just they... like Advance Wars <laughs> One Plus Two Reboot Camp. Maybe this was something that they were like experimenting with, but decided not to do for whatever reason. Ooh, that would stink so bad. Yeah, I mean, I feel like all of a- any of that is just that they are deciding not to do now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, all of these things will come back someday in some capacity. The only thing that won't ever come back is the Virtual Boy, like. That's it. Do you think what's stopping them, uh, assuming that they've stopped, (laughs) this is not something that's just going to happen any day now. Right. Do you think what's stopping them is like, hey, we can sell NES controllers that slide into the Joy-Con rails. Yes. We can sell, you know, Nintendo 64 controllers that don't slide into the Joy-Con rail. Right. But like, what novelty controller do you sell for a Game Boy or Game Boy Advance? I mean, I I don't think you can. Unless you start selling... The like accessories that you used to uh, you used to be able to buy for the Game Boy with the magnifying glass and the light and the like two big extra speakers. Then <laughs> I've talked myself into it. They're absolutely doing it. They're gonna sell. They're gonna sell magnifying glass with lights. I mean, it, I would buy that, yeah, especially if it do. like broke in two and you know like slid onto oh the rails God. like perfectly. Yes. 
just another complication to that. Was that an official first party? I thing? don't think so. I don't <laughs> think. I, I think there probably was a magnifying glass that was official or a light that was official. Uh huh. But not the combination of those two plus the two big speakers. I, I, I don't think that was official. Uh, one last question: Do you think that it'll be like Game Boy is going to be for? All oh, subscribers of what Nintendo a great Switch question. Online, but Game Boy Advance is just for Plus Expansion Pack subscribers. Here's a guaranteed way to get Plus Expansion Pass subscribers is make the GBA exclusive to it, and you put Mother 3 on there. <laughs> That'd be like the like when Star Fox 2 showed up on the... Yeah. Um, Classic edition. Yeah. The Super Nintendo Classic Edition. And then on the Nintendo Switch Online. Yeah, that's like, true. Uh it's uh it it was available as part of a like extremely rare, tough to get uh console. Um, or by subscribing to uh the Nintendo Switch Online. Bandai Namco has posted a few interesting job listings pointing to the company working on a new project for Nintendo. This is a fun story. I like this story. Uh, the listings for a planner and visual artist mention the roles are for a 3D action game contracted by Nintendo. And then there's another listing that's for a visual artist, and it calls out that the role will be doing HD remastering of 3D backgrounds. So what can we deduce this means? Uh, is is this a remake of a game or is it a game in a series that has been going long enough that they're reusing assets from a non-HD game and upscaling them to HD as part of just... Because it's background elements, right? Right. Right. So, like, it's not saying, like, character models. Um, but, Mark, what do you think... What, what could Bandai Namco either be making a sequel to or remaking? Oh, man. Okay, so this is maybe just, like, linear thinking. Yeah. But... You know, a few thinking those straight lines, baby. <laughs> a few months ago, a year ago, whatever, the hot rumor was that Retro is working on a Metroid Prime remake. Yes. Um, or had finished a Metroid Prime remake. A Metroid Prime remake was out there, and this right. was like a remake, not like a Switch port of the Metroid Prime trilogy. Yes. And so maybe it's for that. Maybe it's for the Metroid Prime remake. Yeah. What if it is uh, a remake slash remastering of Prime 2 and 3 mm. in the mold Following of, in the footsteps yes, of yes. this uh, Metroid Prime. This that probably doesn't exist, yes. <laughs> Metroid Prime remake from Retro. I, yeah. I mean, one thing I think is interesting about this is that, you know, sometimes you see these job listings go up and they have little nuggets of information and then it gets taken down immediately. Yeah. You know, when somebody's like, oops, I shouldn't have said that. We should just say that it's a 3D, you know, like background artist or right. something. But that's not the case. When I checked today, these job listings still like specifically call out that it is for... Contracted by Nintendo. Yeah. That's um, like 3D action games mm -hmm. contracted by Nintendo. Uh, what, here, can I, can I give you my theory? Please. Kid nice. Icarus Uprising. Oh, oh, oh. 3D action game. Uh-huh. Uh, uh background uh, things. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like, and Bandai Namco is obviously have a history of uh, working with Masahiro Sakurai. Masahiro Sakurai. Um, so, like, I think, I think if anyone, if he was going to let anyone uh, port or remake Uprising for modern consoles, it would be Bandai Namco. Do you think... We know that he's working on something, right? I don't even know that we know that it's for Nintendo. I don't even I know that we know that he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do you think so? You know, uh, maybe a year ago when he was saying, "Oh, like 
people always ask me about remaking Kid yeah. Icarus Uprising, but it'd be too hard. Yes. You know, that'd be really difficult. I guess he didn't say it'd be too hard. It'd just be, that'd be really tough. Yeah, that's right. Um, do you think that was to like throw us off the scent? No, I think it's because he was working on it and it, <laughs> it was, was very hard. difficult. Yes. <laughs> Again, he never says too difficult. He always just That's says right. very difficult. You're right. And like, it's true. I you, There's no just porting it, right? Like the uh, control scheme has to change. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you're ma- making anything that was a 3DS game and bringing it over to like HD, you need to do like massive reworking of the graphics infrastructure. And especially because the game is so built on the ability to show it in 3D um, that like you'd have to make other like probably color compensations to just sort of like yeah. correct for it. Yeah. And not to say that like Metopia was an easy port job, but definitely doing something like Kid Icarus Uprising would be significantly more challenging. I bet Metopia was an easy, <laughs> a pretty easy port as far as those things go. Well, it was just you just grab different Mies. Like they already made HD Mies. You just input the same data. Um, yeah. Uh, so Kid Icarus Uprising, Metroid Prime. Those are both good. What about uh, Donkey Kong sixty four? That would be interesting because it's not a game that I love. Right. But maybe you could. Um change some things about it you would have to you'd have to but the 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 part of the reason that i think it's a good candidate for this Uh is well you want to see lanky kong in hd i want to see lanky kong in hd i want i want to see that one loose suspender just flopping around i we know that like nintendo ead tokyo like the main nintendo uh like branch they don't really like messing around with the donkey kong country stuff right they're sort of like that that's made by the other studio. That's their thing. Well, so this rumor yes. of the uh, again from like a year ago, they talked about a new man. It was almost probably like exactly a year because at E3, yeah, that's right because it was E3. We were E3 debunked. Yes. yes. Um. Okay. So there was a rumor about a year ago that EAD Tokyo, the developers of like Super Mario Odyssey and you know Galaxy and basically the um uh. Uh, like the Nintendo Prime Studio, yes. yeah. Uh, they are working on a new Donkey Kong game, but the rumor is that they were incorporating like ideas and elements from Donkey Kong Country because those developers had grown up playing Donkey Kong Country, yeah. And so they didn't have the same sort of like uh, church and state separation that um, maybe some of the uh, older generation of Nintendo. Oh, interesting! A game that didn't come out. All right, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think the list kind of ends there, though. Like, I, I suppose you could get a little bit more, like, uh, obscure or esoteric if you want to be like, uh, they found a way to get GoldenEye. I but mean, maybe it's I, like I Star know. Fox Adventures or, like, you know, Adventures like DS pull, games yeah. or something. I just feel, I feel like with – that's why I said, you know, like, Metroid Prime is such linear thinking because – I guess it could be anything. Nintendo has a right, vast, right. vast library. Maybe it's like that Hercules RPG for Nintendo DS. That, sure. You know, I don't even know if it ever released in outside of Japan. Uh, yeah. No, it's, I mean, whatever they're working on, I'm excited to see it's it. It's fun to speculate. I feel like Bandai Namco has done good work for Nintendo in recent years. So, you know, bring it on. Nintendo has acquired land from the city of Kyoto, home to their current headquarters, with the intention of creating a new development center that, with the exciting moniker 
Corporate Headquarters Development Center, building number two. I love it. I love it. Uh, the proposed 12-story building looks very similar to their current headquarters and is planned for completion sometime in 2027. So their current headquarters just looks like a nondescript office building. Yeah. Uh, it's square. like a square with a bunch of windows. It's like a square with a bunch of other squares. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's like gray and white. And that is almost identical yep. to what this building looks like. The official press release states, quote, along with the R&D investments and capital investments, Nintendo believes acquiring and utilizing this land will carry an important role on reinforcing its R&D. Um, what do you... Man. Do uh, Okay. Does it, though? Or is it just <laughs> like... Is it just more in like uh, the 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 straight line that is like eventually Nintendo like keeps making stuff like th- this can't be part of them like ramping up to release a new console or anything like that. It doesn't. The timeline doesn't make any sense. If it's not going to be done until twenty twenty seven, again, I believe that the new Switch will be out for two years by the time that <laughs> that comes around. Um, I mean, is it like the the step after the this the second switch? What what even is twenty twenty seven? Yeah, I think I think Nintendo is just, you know, they are not growing through acquisition like uh, you know a lot of mm-hmm. their major competitors like X, Microsoft and right. Sony. They're trying to grow internally because you know what was at the last like yearly shareholder like question and answer session, um, the president of Nintendo was talking about. How they don't, you know, Nintendo has this like special sauce that they feel is really important to Nintendo as a company. Um, right, like to sort that, of like, maintain culture. Nintendo culture. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think they're trying to, but also, you know, now is a boom time for Nintendo. And so it makes sense that they would need and want to grow. And so I think that's just what this is. Yeah. They need more space. They just need more employees. Yeah. Well, and then it also makes sense if they are not making acquisitions like the other guys, uh, they have to spend money somehow and grow in some other way. Yeah. Uh, and part of that is doing that internally and just relying on the relationships that they have slash like that they continue to nurture with other developers. Like that is that is the Nintendo special sauce is that they have good relationships. We were just talking about Bandai Namco. But I mean, like, even HAL Labs, like, Nintendo doesn't own them. Intelligent systems. Yeah. All the stuff that they've been doing with theme parks and yep. toys. You know, like, it's it's definitely movies. It's definitely, like, an but. interesting... Uh, it's a really interesting time for Nintendo. And I feel like we're just beginning to see the early efforts in a lot of these different directions. And I think the future will just be even more, like, expansive. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Uh, last week, we talked about Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp unlocking for a single player in the UK, as far as we know, uh, even though the release has been indefinitely pushed back indefinitely. Uh, Killatheth posted an update on their blog to answer some of the questions they've been getting about it. Last week, we weren't like super clear on what exactly had happened. Their blog is primarily about mental health, but they were getting inundated on social media, so they, were, they felt obligated almost to just like put it out there. So this is the timeline. In February, they pre-ordered the game from the My Nintendo store in uh, the UK and received a download code for Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp. And at that time, it had a release date of April 8th. So th- And they redeemed the code in February. Okay. So unlike you know like uh, some pre-orders from the eShop, they paid for the game. The money was debited from them. They got received a code, and they like redeemed that code. Um, in February, so way before the game was delayed. 
Uh, and then on March 9th, they received an email from Nintendo saying that the game had been delayed indefinitely and that they'd be receiving a refund. After the refund never came, Killatheth emailed Nintendo asking, like, hey, where's my refund? Yeah. Nintendo responded saying, hey, like, good news. Your order is not canceled and the code is still valid, presumably for whenever the game will be released in the future. Oh, no. At some point. But, however... That uh, help employee is going to get some counseling. (laughs) (laughs) The game unlocked for Killatheth on April 8th. And after their tweet saying, hey, I like can play this game, went viral, Nintendo sent an email that's like, we have successfully received your return, which confused Killatheth because they never initiated a return. So Killatheth r- reached out to Nintendo, who the person was like, I will escalate this. And then they shortly received a, a seemingly hastily written email from Nintendo, um, because there's like typos in it and stuff, that says... Unfortunately, your order has been canceled and that you'd be getting a refund. But at this point, Killatheth had put their Switch on airplane mode. So Nintendo doesn't have any way to like revoke the credentials. Right. And they also still haven't received a refund. So Whoa. they still have access to which I guess 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 maybe Nintendo is waiting till like till the, what? <laughs> until they can actually like deactivate it to give the refund i don't know the no, whole thing seems that, like bad 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 business nintendo be- offer the refund or issue the refund issue the refund but yeah anyways they still have access to it as of um right now uh an ongoing saga uh-huh um for one person that's so weird it is so weird i know it does seem like if it was available on the my nintendo shop but maybe other people just haven't tweeted about it maybe yeah. they're not as terminally online yeah i as mean the rest of us i mean what a great point snitches do get stitches <laughs> uh th- this person could have been playing advanced wars one plus two reboot camp and not uh, drawn any attention to themselves uh and you know it's, it's something like 10 percent of americans are on twitter so like 90 percent aren't um so you know yeah it's probably just that finally Uh, Oh, no, no, sorry. Following an investigation by the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, new Nintendo Switch Online subscribers won't automatically be opted into auto-renew. Sony and Microsoft are also making changes to their programs. However, I should say it's really unclear if this is only in the UK, which seems most likely to me, um, since that's where the Competition and Markets Authority exists. And so maybe out of the goodness of their hearts, Nintendo was like, well, we'll just make this change worldwide. But they don't probably have not. To. I mean, this so this is part of a a greater um, effort to curtail the auto subscribing uh, or the auto renewing of subscriptions in every medium, right? So right. like, uh, not not auto subscribing your uh, or auto auto renewing your Netflix or you know you uh, subscribe to BritBox one week because you wanted to watch some uh, murder mysteries and then you forgot to unsubscribe uh, after the trial was over. Like all all of these things which are you know nefarious and predatory and like they we shouldn't be uh we shouldn't have auto renew on all these things um like a tip of the cap here to uh the uh, competition and markets authority yeah absolutely and again you can turn it on if you want to but it is silly that all of this is just like opt out instead of opt in yes um but yeah again real super unclear if this is only in the uk 
but I would assume that to be true. The original article from Game Industry Biz that lots of other outlets sourced doesn't even mention the country at all. So it's left to the imagination or you have to Google it to understand that the Competition and Markets Authority is a UK government agency. Mm. Um, so as far as I can tell, Nintendo hasn't commented on it. So I wouldn't count on this as being a worldwide change. Maybe the EU, but... Um, yeah, but Brexit and all. Uh, the the thing is, like, wouldn't if if it was a universal, like a global change, wouldn't Nintendo be more active in communicating it to us so that we would uh, opt in? So to I auto think renewing? it all is only my understanding oh, it's is that it's forward. only going forward. So like, new subscribers are not sure uh, opted in to auto renew. To, yeah, but. Old, like previous subscribers still have that behavior, but also it seems like a fairly new change. And so maybe they will be communicating yeah, it in yeah, the future, yeah. but I can't stress this enough. Assume it is not happening for you. Assume you are going, right. you are opted in. Check your auto renews on everything. Finally, for real this time, last week we were fretting that Nintendo was maybe abandoning new Tetris 99 Maximus Cups in favor of the new player icon rewards that can be redeemed as part of Nintendo Switch Online. And that it was a sad, worrisome week. We were fretting up a storm. You only hear the worry for the hour or so that we record this show. We continue to worry <laughs> late into the night. Thankfully, it turns out that that is not the case. Nintendo has announced that a Kirby in the Forgotten Land themed Tetris Maximus Cup will be happening starting this Friday, April 22nd at 12 a.m. Pacific time to April 25th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. And just as a reminder, you uh, play Tetris 99, earn 100 points to get the Kirby in Forgotten Land theme to keep as your very own. Uh, yes, and thank you to uh, the Nintendo Pals podcast uh, for... Uh, CCing me in a, in a tweet about this. I had all but lost hope. Um, and then they brought to my attention, no, no, no. We are, in fact, getting a Tetris Maximus Cup. So uh, thank you, guys, for alerting us. Mark, are you excited to earn a new uh, Tetris theme? I am. I th actually think this Kirby in the Forgotten Land was going to be one is going to be real good. Mm -hmm. Maybe like uh, all the Tetris blocks are like mouthful mode Kirby. They all better be mouthful mode. <laughs> and there's some great music. Mm -hmm. So I'm really looking forward to this one. <gasps> yeah, we're going to get that song that sounds like the perfect stranger song. <laughs> I think so. Um, all right. That's wonderful. Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any podcaster. Um, if you like this episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it. When you do, it helps people find the show. It's maybe the only way people find the show. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo, and our theme music is provided by 8BitBetty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening.
I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrows will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. balder I than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on Bald Talk. Campfire. <laughs>